We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, aka Gemma Peanut on the Gram, along with my co-host, Kate the Great. Kate full of nits. Oh, nits. <laughs> Talk to me, sister. That's it. Had nits all weekend. Wait, had... you did or your daughter did? Well, had Do it. adults get nits? Is oh, that a thing? Oh, yeah. If she gets it, I get it. Actually, the boys avoid it. I guess it's a short hair thing. I don't know. How annoying. Yeah, my entire weekend was like boiling all the laundry, washing all the pillowcases. So Kate, not so great? Kate, not so fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) So Revzy, we've gained some new dear listeners. And they've been following along on the gram. And they noticed that I frequently refer to the wallet mum or the good mum. And I've turned them into hashtags because I feel like they're a thing now. Gotta be done. And I get a few DMs from people saying, what's the wallet, mum? What am I missing? I mean, go listen, guys. Yeah, it's true. the extended mother's group and go listen. Let me point them in the right direction. So if you go to the episode talking shit, like literally, you will learn the origins (laughs) of the phrase the good mum and the wallet mum. Now, if you can't be bothered to listen to the back catalogue of our podcast, even though it's only 11 episodes deep. But let's be honest. Who's got the time? Yeah, I mean, 11 episodes times 45 minutes to one hour. That's a, that's a day of listening. <laughs> Who's got time to binge podcasts? People in the UK and the US. Oh, it's sad, but true. <laughs> that was kind of mean. Scrap that. Take that back. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that in. That's, no. that's making the final cut. Oh, no. Hashtag dickhead mom. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, get that trending. But can we add revs on the end? Hashtag dickhead mom revs. Don't Thank do you me much. like this. <laughs> Give us a summary. I'll do the good mum okay. and you can do the wallet mum. Oh, that's fitting. Well, is it? <laughs> Lol, I am so not the good mum. I think we've established that. So for new dear listeners, the good mum is the one who turns up with extra cut up sandwiches, extra blueberries, extra nappies, always has wipes without fail. Without fail, spare leggings, spare socks. They're that amazing mum that you can depend on to be the Mary Poppins of the group. The one that's nappy bag doesn't have a mushy banana and change rattling around the bottom. So then let's move on to the Wale mum. The no, Wale I mum. <laughs> Stop trying to make Wale mum fancy. I am because I'm a true blue wallet mum and yeah. I, I'm, a sh- I'm somewhat ashamed. Look, we're a double wallet mum situation here. <laughs> the good mum was based on our best friend who we call the good mum because she's so reliable, not only with always having snacks and the right stuff. Like she always leaves the house with all the things you need for that expedition, but she always has the knowledge. She's full of advice. She is a well of knowledge. She'll remember like, oh, at nine and a half months, there's this mini sleep regression, but it only lasts three days and only on a full moon. I turn to her for a lot of feeding advice because we know that me and the kitchen are not friends. Um, So she gives me all the hacks on how to feed children healthily with minimal effort. She's got all the life hacks for mum life sorted so we call her the good mum that was the origin and now it's like become a label we can put on anyone who's kind of good at mumming but the wallet mum is us the wallet mum turns up to mother's group or outings just for the wallet forgets everything doesn't bring anything else because like whatever just roll out and the wallet mum's the one who has the kid who'll 
piss their pants, who'll drop a smoothie down their front, who will need all the things that the good mum brought along. I'm not going to lie. I think since having children, Rafa's nearly three years old. I can't count how many times I've asked a stranger for wipes. I mean, just get some wipes. No, I just, I don't know why. I don't (laughs) replenish. I'm not good at replenishing. (laughs) You've got a lot going on. I do. This is the thing though. The good mum has a lot going on. I know, so how do we don't have an excuse? We're just wallet mums to the core. You know, someone did DM me saying, I'm both. I oh, have... what? No, 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 oh, Judge Judy, get back in your box. <laughs> I think we all need to pat ourselves on the back and say that we all have good mum moments. Yes. Otherwise, that's saying that we're all crap mums. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. You know, I'm a wallet mum, but I can also very rarely have good mum moments that rarely you have lots of good mum moments oh thanks babe none are coming to mind (laughs) instantly (laughs) but you know like i'll dm you tonight with some moments that are drenched up from the deep dark past i'm genuinely digging into my brain right now going come on jen think of some good mum moments (laughs) oh 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 i was a good mum to the good (gasps) mum oh my god no i was it was iggy's birthday party so we had Iggy's birthday party in a big park. We had about 30 friends, all their kids. And the good mum came to me and said, uh, babe, what size nappy is Iggy wearing? And I was like, hold up. Oh, my God. Are you a nappy short? She's like, I've run out of nappies for Ella. And I was like, I have a nappy and it's oh a size four God. and it will fit your daughter. And let me hand it to you. Because it was a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wallet mum has a wallet and her kid, maybe some car keys somewhere in a pocket. That's it. Ain't nothing wrong with that, no. folks. No. So my Botox needs redoing. Already? Yeah, look, I hear the first time doesn't take as much. Or are you one of those people that metabolizes Botox really quickly when your body doesn't metabolize anything else? It can't be that because that would be unfair. Anyway, I need to get it done. So are you in? Yeah. Because you've stopped feeding me. I know. So are we going to do this? Can you book me in like Dub- you do my hair appointment? <laughs> Double Botox date. Where are we going? I don't know. I think we should maybe upgrade from mall Botox, which Wait, is what I did last time. You, you got mall Botox? I did like walk-in Botox. Girl. I know. I'm impulsive when I want something I don't want to wait. And I was just like, let's do it now. And I just walked in off the street. Yeah, which... I want to go somewhere bougie. Yeah, you want to go somewhere proper. Yeah, with five-star reviews on every <laughs> review website. Okay, but you are doing this part. No. You are going to look up and read the reviews and find the best place. All right. And I'll make the booking. Deal. <gasps> Guys, I'm going to try Botox. I will, of course, share all the updates here on the potty. I wonder if I'll faint again. Oh, no, but this place might not have Fanta for you. Maybe I should just BYO some Fanta. Yeah, you need your faint Fanta ready to go. (laughs) So now that we're on a schedule of getting our hair done together, I'm pretty sure our periods are in sync and we're going to do a double Botox day. Is there anything else we need to add to the list? No. (gasps) Remember the time that you recommended colonics to me? Are we really going to talk about that on the potty right now? Yeah, are we? I don't know. Oh, we God. told too many shit stories? Oh, no. People are going to start summarizing our potty as the place to go for shit stories. It's like, do you like stories about poo on different surfaces? <laughs> then you should listen to We Don't Have Time for This. Oh, good grief. Yes, colonic irrigation. Yes. I don't know if anyone has ever tried it. I don't um, think it's cool anymore. No, it had its heyday about 10 years ago, Maybe would you say? even earlier. I think we were on the end of it. Oh, God. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, dear listener, just to give you some context to this story, again, not a woke 
story or conversation no, and I want to be mindful. very problematic. I could go so far as to say trigger warning. Definitely. I need to state this right at the top that we don't want to encourage any copycats. I don't think this story <laughs> is going to encourage copycats. Rewind. I want to share the root of why I yeah. even tried colonic and that's where the problems began. Yeah. I tried colonic irrigation. At the time, I was deep in the world of acting and everyone in the acting industry is like trying to be fashionably emaciated mm-hmm. so that they can get a role. It's really unhealthy. It's really fucked up. And a fellow actor told me about how before an award ceremony, she went and got colonic irrigation because it made her stomach uber flat. And I was like, sign me up, buttercup. For me, I was 24 when I got it done. I remember it vividly. And uh, the experience was interesting, but can confirm does make you have a flat tummy. Yeah, right. Well, that's all I needed to hear when you told me that. Oh, I know, because you're so susceptible. I am. And I was about to get married and I was like, this is the perfect way to just round out my intense diet season before my wedding. <sighs> Wedge shredding is just such an issue, isn't it? So stupid. How many people have photos of themselves from their wedding day around their home knowing they will never, ever look that skinny again? And I am going to say skinny because I feel like there is this habit of weight loss culture yeah. towards being prepped for your wedding. It's so dumb but we we all fall victim to it oh my god yeah well I wish I didn't but yes I dieted pretty hard for my wedding but then I was like I'm gonna do colonic it's just gonna take me from skinny to invisible (laughs) (laughs) so I went to this place look I have stated before I'm not a big reviews person I'm just like a colonic irrigation near me on google and it's like more colonic (laughs) (laughs) I'm like cool call them do you have an appointment I'm coming so I get there and the way you described it was quite straightforward and a little bit like, oh, you got to sort of self-apply, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I put lube on the <laughs> straw. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Speculum. Sh- speculum. Okay, technical. And shoved it up my exit hole. <laughs> reclined back. Oh, the craziest part. Sorry to interject, Revs. I know you've got your story, but the viewing window. Did yours have a viewing window? I don't know if mine had a viewing window. <laughs> But for me, I had a a viewing window where the tube goes past you and you can see what's coming out. And I was shocked that there were whole macadamia nuts. (laughs) Like I had a chat with myself and I was like, girl, you need to chew and stop inhaling your food. Whole macadamia nuts? No, I don't. I I didn't know I did. But I must. I mean, the proof is in the window. That's what they say. <laughs> so I turned up to this place and there's two people at the front desk. There's this woman. She looks like the kind of person you see at any day spa or like place you'd go to get your brows done or whatever. She's got her hair pulled back and she looks fine. And then next to her is this guy who looks like real life Ned Flanders. Oh, God. <laughs> he doesn't blink, Jem. He's just staring. And I'm like, oh, my God, please. Please tell me she's going to show me to the room because I can't look at that guy any longer. I'm like, hi, I've got an appointment, Kate. And he stands up. He's like, Kate, yes, come with me. And I was like, oh, God, instantly regretting. And this is why you go on Yelp, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So he leads me down this corridor to his treatment room. And I'm imagining a setup like what you did, where it's like in a little booth and you're sort of left to your own devices. No, no, it looked like a dentist chair set up in the middle of the room in broad daylight. Oh, hectic. And I was like what's about to happen to me and he's like okay so just um take off your pants on up on the bed and I was like oh my god he he's doing it he's he's gonna do it I know 
I don't know why I didn't turn and run. Like, that's the first time I should have turned and run. I think I would have. Yeah. Because I'm one of those people that can't even work with a male obstetrician. Yeah, I always have a female doctor for a pap smear. I was just so committed at this point. And I'm also, I'm a bit like that. I'm like, well, I'm here now. I'm doing this. God. So I get up and he's like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, and he just taught me through it too much. And I was like, dude, stop narrating. But just no, do the just deed. Get it done. No foreplay. So he was Sorry, sorry. No. So he like puts it in. It is not a little tube like you described. It was like a fucking dildo. What? I was so tense. Oh my God, your anus would have been like, it was, it was hiding. Instantly started sweating and going red. And I was like, just go somewhere else in your mind. Go somewhere else in your mind. Just meditate. It'll all be over soon. Anyway, he's like ferreting around and he's like, hmm, your system's a bit sluggish. It's Wait, like, he could tell just by like ferreting around with know, that dildo? He's like judging my colon. <laughs> I'm lying there on the bed feeling so vulnerable, so violated and now judged. It took so long. He's like... Yeah, we're not going to get everything today. And I was like, well, I'm never, ever coming back to you. Get what you can. Get what you can, because I'm never returning. So anyway, it it takes about 40 minutes and it's all, I can hear the flushing noise and the whooshing or whatever of this machine, but I couldn't bring myself to look at anything. I was just closing my eyes and just hoping it would end. Was it painful for you? Honestly, I think I've blocked it out. Once again, it's trauma and your brain has blocked it out from memory purposefully. But the worst it was after. So he's like... Okay, all done. Pulls it out. Just lie there for a few minutes. And then when you're ready, you will feel an intense need to go to the bathroom. There's a bathroom just here. And there's like this tiny little ensuite with a sliding door on a hinge. And he's like, "Um, just feel free to use the bathroom. So I'm like, okay. And I instantly start to feel really sick. I think I'm going to either completely shit my dax or I'm going to vomit everywhere. So I get up. And I pull on my pants and he sits down at the desk. I'm not kidding. Half a meter from this sliding door and opens his lunch <gasps> and just starts um, unwrapping the sandwich and like cracks a can of drink. Oh no. And I'm like, I am about to explode <laughs> in this bathroom. And this guy is having his lunch. Well, he's probably desensitized to shit. I mean, he works in this arena of feces every freaking day. And then I start thinking, like, what is this guy's fucking deal? Like, is this a thing for him? Like, is he into this? I go into the bathroom and I, you know, can't control it. It's just explosive. Plus, I'm feeling sweaty, clammy, sick. Like, I need to be on the floor in the fetal position crying. Oh, God. And I do flush the toilet come out of this dumb door and he's just like drinking his drink and finishing his sandwich tapping away he's like now you get free use of the sauna and I was like I have to leave immediately (laughs) immediately with my dignity no dignity (laughs) dignity was left in the fucking speculum (laughs) racing to the front door to just get out of there and the nice looking lady's like um that will be some ridiculous price like $380 and I was like here you go, my shaking hand, like <laughs> handing over my ATM card. And I'm like, beep. I get into the car and seriously start crying. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and I seriously started shitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did that when I got home as well. Anyway, Gray comes home from work and I'm like lying on the couch with a blanket on me, like hugging myself, crying. And he's like, oh my God, babe, what happened? And I start telling him and he just starts laughing in my face. I mean, it's understandable. Serves like, you laugh- right for getting your ass emptied out by Ned Flanders. 
And I'm like, you just don't understand. You've never had a colonic. We had this huge blow up. This was like three weeks before our wedding. So the moral of the lesson is... Don't get colonic and read reviews. <laughs> Do your homework. Oh, dear listeners are going to be like, guys, colonic was so 10 years ago. Oh, it's so No was. one gets it anymore. No. There'll be some like new fad. I confess, I've done vagina steaming. What? Yes, I've tried it. What is it? Oh, God. Is Look, this like a goop thing? Totally influenced by Gwyneth. And of course, I was in LA. Once again, to give you context, I was flown to LA for a photography job and caught up with a girlfriend of mine who loves a treatment. And at the time, I was struggling to conceive. And she said, you know what you need? You need a (laughs) vaginal steam. I hear that there's like a fertility potion. And I was at the point where I was desperate to try anything. I was on the wait list for IVF. So I was like, fuck it. Why not? And holy moly, that was an experience. And? Oh, am I going to share this story? We've made a promise now to the dear listeners that we're not going to go, but that's a story for another time. Okay. Imagine a toilet fit for a queen. Okay. And I'm not joking. They had designed these toilets to look like thrones. There was plush velvet cushioning and it was gold and embellished. And then they burn these herbs, I guess steam them in a bowl at the bottom and you sit over the top (laughs) and your vagina absorbs it. You incense yourself. Yes. Yes, you do. (laughs) And the funniest thing was, so I obviously went for a fertility treatment and my girlfriend friend went for a vaginal rejuvenation treatment so we're both sitting on our thrones you're covered by the way 20 minutes into our treatment this sweet Chinese lady comes in and she's like so how are you going and we're like yeah we're we're great this is lovely it's very relaxing and then she turned to my girlfriend Renee and was like I really hope this helps you to conceive your baby And, and I was like Oh no, that's me. She's like, oh, you're on the wrong thrones. So I was getting my vagina rejuvenated, which I absolutely did not need. And meanwhile, my girlfriend is busy getting fertile when she didn't even have a boyfriend at the time and was nowhere near ready to conceive. so funny. Didn't you call my serum snake oil last week? Uh, From the woman who's like a glorified oil burner. (laughs) If you've been down the path of infertility, Revs, you have been there yourself. Oh, yeah, I did it all. Oh, you will try irriting. (laughs) And I, oh, boy, did I. But much like the colonic irrigation experience, my first time was also my last time. Yes. Well, anyway, you do the research on the Botox so they think how this started. (laughs) Seems a bit late to be bringing this up now as we're so far into the podcast episode, but you know what I don't have time for? don't you have time for I do not have time for friends who only call you when they want something from you Ooh, you know what I'm talking about problem yes it's fine to have friends who you don't talk to for ages I've got some friends who live overseas I don't keep in contact with them regularly we stay abreast of each other's lives through social media like a post here and there add a comment every now and then but then when you get back together it's as if no time has yeah, passed. yeah you pick up from where you left off exactly But then there are those friends and I have one in particular who every time my phone rings and it's her, I let out this huge exhale and I'm like, what does she want now? And I'm going to have a big fat whinge about being someone who works in the service based industry. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know. I know. I've made many a website for people. For free. (laughs) I'm sure. Exactly. And I think being a photographer again, your time can be easily abused because they're like, oh, would you mind just grabbing a few snaps of X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z? 
But the thing I guess that really grinds my gears <laughs> with her is that she has her own business and she's employing or not employing my services for her own business needs. How does she put it to you? Oh, it's like, hey, babe, I was wondering if you're free for a quick shoot. I just need a couple of shots for my website. What, like straight off the bat? Yeah. Not like, hey, how are you? Oh, no. Oh, no. There's the thinly veiled small talk yeah, right. that happens. Love that. <laughs> but I realize that I've been an enabler. Yeah, right. Because the reason why she can call me and get straight to the point like that so bluntly and directly is because I have done it for her so many times uh, prior. Yeah. So I've set the precedent of like, yeah, I'll bash out a couple of photos for your business for free. And she keeps coming back. And I'm such a yes person that I don't know how to say no to her. Okay. So what are you going to say next time well the fantastic slash semi not fantastic thing is that i am genuinely too busy yeah so now i can literally say okay i'll look through my calendar oh i'm available in like six months time i don't know i guess it's just one of those things where she's a friend who's not a super close friend anymore i mean she literally only contacts me when she needs something from me and i'm trying to work out if it's appropriate to back away like are we yeah. at an age now where we yes. can start to cull yes cut the fat drag to trash but i guess this whole thing raises the question why when we have friends in service-based industries yeah do we not put a value on their time oh it's one of those things i i think that is people are really ignorant to it she doesn't sound ignorant to it if she runs her own business she must know what it costs to get photos taken yeah but she's a hustler and there's a part of me that takes my hat off to her for that like she can keep her business costs lean but then at the same time you're kind of pissing people off yeah you gotta pay if someone's fee you just gotta pay their worth I've had so many people send me texts and DMs over the years being like, hey, I was just wondering if you could quickly bash me up a logo. And I'm like, a logo? Like, do you know what goes into building a logo, researching it, putting it together, getting all the files? Like, I'm not going to go into what goes into it because I'm not going to defend it because creative people always have to defend their right to earn money. But so much goes into it. And I used to say, yeah, sure, I'll quickly bash you up a logo. And then it gets to the point where you're like, absolutely not. This is of value and if it's so easy to quickly do it why doesn't someone go do it themselves but what I ask you is about your friend does she have something reciprocal she can offer to you no nothing no yeah well not something that I have a need for and not that that's what you do favors for you don't do favors to get things in return hang on there's favors and then there's taking the piss totally but the first couple of times maybe it was a favor yeah and I was happy to do it but then it became a pattern which I enabled this is my fault but what I started to get mad about was people would come to me who were in a completely different industry or they, and they just didn't think. Like, like what? What industry? Finance or real estate or whatever. And they would just think, oh, you're creative. You'd love to spend time bashing me up a logo. And I'd start to think there's nothing this person can do for me as a quick favor in return. Like, it's not like, hey, could you just like quickly float my company on the stock exchange for me? Could you just quickly invest my millions for me? Oh, could you just quickly sell my house? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no reciprocal favor. No. That's like a fair trade. So I started to get really shitty. And my um, go-to was like, oh, I'd love to help. But um, oh, Graham's going to divorce me if I do one more free job this month. Oh, my God. That is brilliant. Yeah. I love that. I'm totally stealing. Yeah. Say hubs will divorce me if I do anything more free gigs because I'm just wearing myself too thin. And that's setting the boundary. Yeah. Sort of saying like, you're asking me to do something for free. 
And then you're also saying, I'm fucking busy and how dare you? I know. <laughs> Take up real estate in my time. What I find most fascinating. So I have the little dreamer journals with Emma Kate. Yeah. And no one ever mm. asks me for a tangible item because they see it as a product yeah. that would have cost me something. Oh Therefore, they're never going to ask me for a free journal. Yeah. But for some reason, my time isn't perceived as the same value measure. So they're happy to eat into my personal time, which is actually worth money more. to me. And probably more yeah. than and, one journal. But no one would ever just say, hey, babe, have you got any of those little dreamer journals lying around? Can I just have one? <laughs> no, but it sounds outrageous. It does. Yet why is it so outrageous yeah. to be like, hey, babe, do you mind just taking a few snaps yeah, for me? Not cool. Drag to trash. That friend's done. I just think we're at the age and stage where if a friendship is not totally enriching what's the point how many social interactions do you have in you as a tired mum like four if that a year (laughs) (laughs) and you know we've all got that friend who you've been trying to catch up with for like six months and you've got the back and forth text like we gotta catch up what about this and like I've got some girlfriends where it's already like okay how's everyone's march (laughs) you you gotta plan ahead that was the only good thing about lockdown everyone was so free but how funny are old acquaintances that you run into and they're like oh my god haven't seen you we should catch up yeah we totally should never gonna happen never gonna happen you turn around walk the other way and I think there's a side Silent agreement where we both know we're never going to catch up, but we just say it out of politeness. I know, but how awkward is it when one person genuinely wants to? I've been both. Me too. I've got friends who's like, hey, let's do that catch up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Non-committal, like not dropping dates, just being like, absolutely, I'd love that. Thinking later me can deal with that. And then I've got a friend who I just adore and I love her. I love her husband and her kids are great. We always have a good time. But lately I've been like, okay, I've sent four messages with dates, invited them over and it's just not coming back. Maybe I'm that friend to her. Hey, I think it's really important and there's no shame in reading the room. (laughs) Maybe she's trying to let you go and that's okay. (laughs) I had a friend who very obviously was trying to drag me to trash and I literally called her out on it. (gasps) And not in an aggressive way, just in a, hey babe, I get the feeling you're not keen to catch up anymore and I just want to let you off the hook and say it's okay. No, I did. And I felt really good about it and but I didn't get the result I wanted. I wanted her to be like, yeah, sorry, babe. I've just been super busy. <sighs> Life priorities. I kind of wanted to give her permission. To- Wait, what did she say? <laughs> She's like, oh, good. You read the room. <laughs> no. Well, I'm, I feel like a fool now because she wrote back being like, oh, my God, babe. No, I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. And then it made her feel bad. And then I don't even Wait, know. Wait, was this story supposed to be about how you were the friend being dragged to trash? And actually it was that she really loves you and wants to keep you on her desktop? Well, I gave her so many opportunities. Yeah, right. So many opportunities. It's like when you have to step outside yourself and start acknowledging, huh, That friend never invites me to anything. It's a very one directional relationship where you're constantly inviting them over to dinner or out to dinner or wherever that you kind of have to take stock sometimes and go, I've done this before with my own dad. (laughs) (laughs) where I consciously stopped calling and stopped texting. To test him? To test him because I realized, (laughs) hang on, I'm the one making all the effort here. So I did it as an experiment. I thought, I'm just not going to contact him. And do you know what? Three months (gasps) went by. Three months, my dad. Shame. I know, he's a workaholic. Love him to bits, but seriously, dad. Hopeless. He's (laughs) a kind of... listen to the potty? Probably. Soz, dad, love you. But then after three months, he called me and he was like, where have you been? And I was like, Ah! just waiting for your call, dad. Yep, that's right. 
I'm really finding, because there was a period where I really struggled to catch up with my friends who didn't have kids. And I feel like I'm coming out of that. And I actually feel like I've got shit to talk about that isn't just kid stuff. And I can have these relationships with my friends who don't have kids again. Oh my God, you're there. I am so not there. It's so nice. It's so nice to like not just have to talk about mum stuff all the time. Yeah, but Rebsy, can we just backtrack a little bit? Sure. Can we do a (laughs) rewind? (laughs) Dear listener, side fact about Rebs, in our close group of friends, she was actually the first to have a baby. Mm -hmm. So you were in this friendship group where no one else had kids no one else had made that huge life adjustment or pivot that must have been really hard for you now that I'm a mum I can now look back and see shit I was not a supportive friend of you and it's not that I wasn't trying to be unsupportive no it was just straight up I didn't get it I didn't know what it was to be a mum feel terrible admitting this but when you first had Isla I felt like I was losing my mate. It's so selfish. Obviously, love Isla to pieces. Wouldn't change anything about her arrival into the world. But at the time, I was like, oh, Revs can't just like drop everything at short notice and come out for dinner. Yeah. But now that I'm a mother, that would have been so hard for you. I know. It's funny. And a couple of years ago, this would have been a really sore point for me. But now I'm through it. Now everyone gets it and we're all kind of in the same life stage. It's fine. But yeah, it was. It was really hard. The pro side was I deepened some amazing friendships that I had had with people who had kids at the same time. And I also made some really beautiful friends at Mother's Group because I had to, right? Like I didn't have anyone around me who was having a kid. And you know, it's really specific when you have young kids. You almost need a friend with a kid the same age. Yes. Even a year or six months older, you can be off on completely different schedules and the this whole thing can be different. So I made beautiful friends in my mother's group and we're still friends today. It really is a club, isn't it? It's a club. I hate to say this to dear listeners who don't have children because I know what it's like to be on the outer of yes, that club. Yes, you've been both. Yeah, I've definitely been both. It took me nearly two years to conceive Rafa. And at that point, all of our friends had caught up and they were having kids of their own. And because I have had fertility struggles, it was delayed. And I remember feeling like I was outside of the building, looking through the window, hands pressed against it, being like, I want to be part of this club. Yeah. And I remember you all used to talk about things like sleep schedules and to use a dummy or not to dummy and baby led weaning and all this stuff. And I wanted to weigh in on the conversation and because it took me two years to conceive I had done all the research you know like all the gear and no idea like I'd done all the research but just didn't have the baby couldn't speak from experience no it is a club and you can't pretend it's not and it's a really exclusive club and it needs to be a club because the transition into motherhood is so hard and such a shock and such a change that you do need a club around you to support you but yeah I was kind of like the reverse when I was the first mum I was on the outside of the building looking at my old life with all my girlfriends in there having this great time and I was like I still want to come but I can't I'm so tired I'm so I'm so uh, like all consumed with this new role yeah and I didn't understand it I was one of those parents who was like when I become a mother Mm -hmm. you know full of all the opinions Mm -hmm. my kid is just gonna be an accessory like a handbag who just comes along with me to everything and my life belly alters just gonna slot into my life don't we all tell ourselves that lie that our kid is just gonna slot in and nothing's gonna we're still we're gonna have regular date night and we're gonna see all our friends the kid can stay up late and we can just get a roll with it. We're not going to let schedules dominate our lives. Aww. I think that was what part of the struggle was for me when I was the first mum. 
was just the FOMO. I just wanted to be cool. I wanted to go with the flow and I wanted to be at all those things, but I just, I couldn't keep up. No, well, you were so bloody sleep deprived because Isla was also a non-sleeper. Yeah. I do feel like it was the next level because of the lack of sleep as well. Yes. But yeah, and we had so many weddings. Didn't we just? (laughs) Dear listener, there was a year where basically all of our friends caught up to Revs because she was basically a child bride when she got married. (laughs) And we all got married in the same year. And that year was 2015. And that year was also the time that Revs had a one-year-old. Yes. And guess what the worst part is? Is that I forced your ass over to Thailand for my wedding with a one-year-old. And do you know what's awful is at the time I was so busy into planning my wedding, I didn't even stop for a minute to consider what you were going through, transporting a one-year-old to a third world country, essentially. Oh my God, we've never talked about this. No, we haven't. <laughs> this is so full on. This is going to be like group therapy. Yeah, it was It was really rough. I do think I've kind of blocked it a little bit. <laughs> it was a challenge. Hang on, this makes it sound like that my wedding was trauma and that your brain has control alt delete the whole experience to save you I'm not gonna lie I don't remember a lot of it of course you don't and this is the thing I extend such empathy to you now and I look back with such adoration and admiration for the fact that you even did that for me like that oh my god of course though I was gonna miss my best friend's wedding no I know but you are such a selfless best mate that you never ever let me cotton on to any of the personal challenges that you were going through you were just so there for me as a maid of honor and you set all your problems aside and oh god now that I have kids I'm like fuck I would never do that for anyone (laughs) so a couple of things there was no point in me being that person who was like you guys have no idea how hard this is for me I have brought a baby to this wedding okay so everyone just Stop it, you're doing it. Like, I was not going to be that person. I had my bride moment. I feel like a few dear listeners would be listening to this going, um, I have a friend who is that person who yeah. makes everything about them, but yeah. you never make anything about you. Uh, well, I try not to. I don't think it's cool. But I had my bride moment where I was the only bride, the first bride. and I got all the bridal things and everyone was there for me and made a big fuss and I got the big wedding. So I wanted you to have that too. And I knew what it's like to be in this special time and have this special day. And there was no way I was going to be like, um, but I have needs on your wedding. I just wasn't going to do it. Let me set the scene for everyone. So Jem's wedding was amazing. And if I didn't have a kid, my God, I can only imagine how much fun it would have been. A lot of our guests describe our wedding as spring break meets project X. It was nonstop party, but it was so fun. So we had this incredible private villa in remote Thailand, Koh Samui. It was amazing. It was like these beautiful big villa rooms, this giant pool in the middle, pool with no fence. And then like, (laughs) and these like chefs and waiters. It was incredible. We were treated like kings and queens, but me and my partner were the only people with a kid. Everyone else in the bridal party was just couples and just lying around the pool and just having drinks, playing beach cricket, going for swims, taking naps. And I had a very busy, non-sleeping, incredibly active one-year-old. Who was still breastfeeding. Well, I kept breastfeeding for this trip. And thank God I did. Yeah. Because I packed like... Fuck, a layer of my suitcase was those bloody pouches. Yeah. And it was so hot and she was so hungry from the travel. I think she demolished 
all the pouches in about 48 hours. Oh, God. So then I was like, what do I feed her? And because we're in this villa, everything was cooked for like family style meals, right? So that was like, let's all sit down and have dinner. But that was at like eight o'clock because it was all for adults. And so I was like, I've got to feed this kid. So basically my milk came back in. Oh, I bet. Because Isla would have been feeding overtime. She was feeding. And then I was like, anytime I could get rice, I was like, let's give her some rice. And I don't know what food I can give a one-year-old in Thailand. I just wanted to be a good maid of honor. Be present, not miss it. Because it was important to me that I stood up there next to you and saw you get married and had a good time. I had to make a speech. I mean, like, try and stop me making a speech. Yeah, and P.S., your speech brought the house down. People still talk about Revs's speech at my wedding. It was truly something to witness. It was a good roast. Um, <laughs> but as soon as I finished that, I, like, had to go up and flop a boob out and try and get my kids to sleep. And it took like two hours. This is on the wedding night. And you tried so hard to be accommodating. You did. You put us in this room that was right off the main dining space. Well, my theory was that I wanted you guys to have this particular suite that was away from the pool. Because as you mentioned, there were no pool gates. Yeah. And I didn't want to have a dangerous situation for Isla. So I thought, well, if you guys are in that room opposite the dining room, then you would have to consciously bring Isla to the pool area. She couldn't just haphazardly stumble her way into the pool area but the thing we didn't think through is that this room was also on top of your hubs's speakers i know looking back i'm like (laughs) we're going all night like and probably all night was like till 10 p.m but (laughs) 10 p.m in a mum's world as you know is like three in the morning so i would like put isla down it was just like like under her cot and everyone's in bikinis going woo, love this song like jumping into the pool like should we get some drinks and I'm like I need this music to stop but I can't go and say turn off the music when I'm the only one who needs it turned off and everyone else is having fun oh and the other thing was I tried to organize a nanny because they were so cheap right and everyone's like oh Thailand cheap nannies just get a nanny and I was like great I will I'll do that so I got the email off you and I organized this nanny and do you remember when she turned up I don't remember any of this. You kept all of this from me. You're now revealing it all now in a group therapy session. God, what did the nanny look like? I'm scared. Well, she looked about 10 years old. Oh, good grief. But was that good Asian genes or was she actually 10 years old? I think she was maybe 14. (laughs) God. And the way she held Isla was so awkward. I was like, oh my God, has she ever held a baby before? And then I was like, um, so do you look after many kids? Trying to be like me, please. Because I hadn't yet learned how to advocate for myself or my kid. And she's like, oh, this is my first time. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> be cool. Be cool. And I can, again, hear everyone in the background telling funny stories and jokes and cracking beers and just having the best time. And then like, I think someone popped their head in and was like, Revsy, dinner's ready. And I was like, coming. <laughs> so I go and sit down for dinner and I can hear from 20 meters away, Isla back in my room screaming at the top of her lungs and I was like I know that cry that is her seriously overtired distressed cry and I was like just have fun just be at dinner all that matters is she's safe she's safe and like honey this is awful and I was just like I can't do this and I was like trying to go back and me and hubs were kind of tag teaming and I was like cool so we won't need the nanny tomorrow oh god (laughs) what you had to put up with oh my god it was a lot but 
You know, I just don't think there's anything to be gained from being haughty and being like, they don't know what it's like to not to have kids because you don't before you do. No, this is the thing. I never blame friends who don't have kids for not understanding my situation no. because how could they possibly? No, and this isn't either a condescending thing. It's no. just like, I don't know what it's like to be your air hostess. I've never been one, so I can't relate to that lifestyle and or a shift worker. I've never done that, so I don't know what that's like. You know, that you just can't relate because it's not your experience. Experience. There's no point being like, oh, they just don't have kids. They don't know. Like, it just drives me nuts too when people are like that. So yeah. I didn't want you feeling responsible for my situation on your wedding week. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. You look Aww. so like, sorry. Well, it's because I'm a mum now and I know how intense and how many layers of responsibility that suddenly get plonked onto your life when you become a mum. Yeah. Again, don't want to be patronizing. But when you don't have kids, you clock off from work for the day. The evening is yours to do what you please. I yearn for that part of my old life. Now I clock off from work and then I have this whole other shift that starts, which is always in witching hour. It's like the hellish part of the day. It's impossible for someone to understand that until you're in it. That's the good thing about you coming to the group when we all already had kids was that it was like a pre-made mother's group for you. Oh, I mean, the best part of it, not me. Meaning to sound brutal, but I get to learn from all of your mistakes. Oh my God, yes. I feel like I entered into motherhood so equipped with anecdotes and stories and hacks and tips and tricks, all from my besties who had kids two years before me. And I'm so freaking grateful and lucky for it because I've had a really cruisy entry into motherhood. Whereas you had the opposite. You had to flounder your way through it a bit until you found your mother's group. Yeah. But how was that for you though? Were we all like, oh, so this is what you need to do. So this is what you need to do. So do this. Oh, no, do that. Like, did you, would you, did you have a lot of that? Oh, look, I'm on Instagram. I'm so used to unsolicited <laughs> advice being thrown my way. I think the difference is, is that I genuinely cared and took on board what you guys have to say. I think everyone has that in their group. Yeah. And you have to respect the person yeah. as well. I think that's a big thing. I think people are very good at dishing out advice. And it's like, well, hang on. What's your relationship with this yeah. other mum? Yeah. It's so funny how everyone assumes the role of expert when they've had one child. Oh, my God. I know. I know. It's, the good thing is, though, usually by the second, everyone's like, Ah, whatever. <laughs> like, give up a little bit. <laughs> you give so many less fucks on the second kid. Oh, it's so liberating, I oh, have to say. it is liberating. Because you're like a bit of a mum with a capital M for a while when you first become a mum. Yes. It's just so all-consuming. You're super sensitive as well. A bomb really does get dropped on your freaking life when yeah. you have your first child. But I am loving second time round motherhood oh, with Iggy. Yes. That's because he's a good baby. Oh, yes. In inverted commas, good baby. Whatever that means. Uh, I went deep into this feeling when I had Isla because she didn't sleep. And people always ask, are they good? And I wanted to say, she's the best baby that's ever been born. But what people are really asking is, does she like just let you get on with your life? Yeah, no, you're (laughs) right. Does she leave you the fuck alone? And no, she did not. I couldn't just go to a wedding and have fun and leave her with a sitter because I knew she'd sleep. I couldn't go on holidays with friends and bring her along. I couldn't just run out for dinner because I didn't know what time I could get her down. She was not a good baby. Yeah, but I hate that the antithesis of good baby is bad baby. No babies are bad. Why do we want to brandish them with these labels of good and bad? I mean, yes, textbook wise, yes, Iggy is a good baby. He eats well, he sleeps well, he's no trouble. 
but Rafa's an amazing kid. And yeah. yeah, she would be bottlenecked into the bad baby category because she's so invasive of my life. <laughs> invasive. Dude, she has taken... Disruptive. <laughs> yeah, all of it. She's a tornado. Oh, yeah. She's... Uh, you know she's around. Oh, don't you ever. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Is that what we call spirited? Yeah. Which is just code for annoying fuckwit. The re- <laughs> it's like the rebrand of annoying fuckwit child is spirited. Because we don't want to say anything negative. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Isla's... You would now call her a good kid, right? Absolutely. Oh, my God. As a six-year-old, I can come over to your house. She, like, looks after all the littler kids. She'll give, hand out the snacks. She'll go get towels when everyone's dripping wet. And then she'll just crash on the couch and watch a movie and let me have wines and chats with you girls. She can hang. She's you know, great now. But you know your life is what fuels me to keep yeah. going with this parenting gig? No, seriously. Because <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Put them out with the recycling? Maybe. Some days I'm tempted to. I'm not going to lie. The other day I said to my mum, Rafa was being particularly demandy. And it's I said, so cute how you call it that. Demandy. Demandy. <laughs> I said to my mum, you know, mum, I have to remind myself that there is some boss CEO out there who can run an entire company, hold court in a ball meeting close some million dollar deals and then she comes home and she's just still a snack bitch totally you know yeah no one gets away scot-free either you might have a perfect sleeping newborn but they're gonna be either a rascal toddler or i hear they could be a really full-on teenager no one gets off scot-free dear listener i have to share that revs has been trying to burst my bubble about my sweet little iggy bear <laughs> who we affectionately call the potato with a pulse because he's just so low maintenance but revs lately has been like oh yeah my teddy was that once Mm -hmm. and uh look at him now he's Mm -hmm. crazy and wild and full of personality and a show pony and doesn't stop asking questions i feel like i had two kids i feel like baby teddy was a completely different person oh i don't want iggy to change i I seriously look back and like oh yeah i remember that guy he was such a sweetie wonder what he's doing now like he's a completely (laughs) different person you're allowed to call your kid an asshole and it doesn't mean that you don't love them well it's not all the time it's just yeah. the phase or whatever. I legit cannot imagine Iggy, though, becoming a show pony and demanding attention or demanding anything. The kid demands nothing. 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 He's just so sweet. He plays. He loves yeah. to read books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you a little story. Story time. I was in Byron Bay for my sister's wedding away for the week with my perfect little angel baby. And Teddy, we call him the spud because he was bald and he used to just sit there cross-legged on the carpet, happy with a rattle. And I was always like... A bit stupid. Because <laughs> like Isla was never happy with a rattle. Isla walked at nine months, just got up and walked like the baby in Ally McBeal. There's a 90s reference showing my age, but people at the park used to stop me and be like, um, how old is that baby? With like a look of disgust on their face that my baby was walking around with like one strand of hair on her head, still in a nappy, just like running around the park with three-year-olds. Anyway, so Teddy took his sweet time, just sat there cross-legged, thought he was a bit simple, you know, and we were away with another family who had a two-year-old boy. And the dad looked over at Teddy and was like, oh, yep, I remember when Leo was like that. And I was like, what? (laughs) Don't you dare. Because Leo was a fucking jerk. Leo was running around. He like took a texter to the couch in the Airbnb. He threw food at the girls. He was jumping in the pool and splashing everyone. He did a shit in the shower. He was the worst. Okay. He was the worst. We're all like, Leo sucks. Right. And then his dad was standing there going like, 
Teddy's going to be like Leo. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, Revs, but you are this for me. Yeah. About well, Iggy. I know. I'm a jerk too. <laughs> yes. We're all a jerk. <laughs> the one universal truth about parenting is that whatever stage you are at, there's some bastard who's a bit ahead of you, a couple of years ahead of you, a lot ahead of you, who can't help themselves but say, oh, you think it's bad now? Wait until insert stage that they're at. I confess I've also been that asshole, but I've managed to rein myself in and check myself. I'm like, Jem, just don't, just withhold. Just don't speak. Don't speak. Just don't you speak. don't need to give your opinion. They didn't ask for it. So just <laughs> zip it, zip it. Oh man. Going back to friendship and big friends with other mums, like, you know, you make so many new friends yes. in your stage of mum life. Yep. But like, have you had any friends that you had before who has become a mum with you at the same time, but your mum styles don't match up? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know that saying, friends for a reason, season or a lifetime? There are friends who have graduated to motherhood alongside me and I'm like, oh, we need to have a season off <laughs> and we'll meet on the other side. Maybe when our kids are teenagers, because we yes. really don't align. Yes. Okay. We all know. I don't have to repeat it. Not good at feeding my kids. Because <laughs> you know how some mums are like cool with sugar and others are like, no, sugar's the devil. And so it's really hard to hang together. For or... me, it's wine at birthday parties. You know, if you're not going to serve wine at birthday parties, we can't be mum friends. Wait, people don't serve wine at birthday parties? Okay, so I think it was Isla's third birthday and we had it like 11. So I was like, well, it's Bellinis, obviously. <laughs> so I made peach Bellinis and I was taking the tray around to the mums and these were some, there were some kids there from daycare, so we weren't really friends, but I invited them to come along and I like took the tray to them. And one of them checked her watch when I offered her a Bellini. With judgment? She was like, oh, oh. And then like looked at the time and was like, oh, I'm fine. And I was like, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, leave. You are not welcome at my house. It's fine. I don't judge the mum who doesn't drink at 11, <laughs> obviously. But we're probably not going to connect on a deeper level, is what I'm saying. Or like... For me, it's discipline. Ooh. I really struggle with, and I, I don't mean how people discipline their kids. That's each to their own. I just mean at a hang or a play date, I don't want to get into disciplining other people's kids or my own kids. I also don't really want to get involved in kid shit. Oh, really? As you know, I'm deep in the two-year-old stage yes. where they're still very much learning to share. And I find it hard not to intervene because two-year-olds literally fighting over a truck and screaming yes. does my head in. And it's awkward, right? Especially oh, if you're new friends with the mum and your kid's being a dick and you're like, oh, this is embarrassing. It's so awkward. But then there's that thing where we're both apologizing for both of our children. No. I'll be like, Rafa, you need to learn to share. And then the other mum is like, so-and-so, Rafa's a guest at our house. Yeah. They need the toy and then we're like both trying to get our kids to hand over the toy yeah and it's exactly. just it's so awkward so, See, so wait. i'm not into that work it out in kid court i don't want to hear about it leave the kids to work it out themselves but is this because of the age your kids are well, i think from even from rafa's age like unless someone's in danger or going to be hurt or something my fave type of mum is the one that you can hang out with where they're like yeah yeah you guys work it out and then you go have a coffee or whatever and that you leave the kids be a little bit i i really struggle with it's like okay well what did she say well that wasn't very nice okay then you get it for five minutes and I'm like why am I here <laughs> this is no fun for the kids this is no, no fun, fun for, for the us parents. like 
tuck and roll out of here. This is not a fun situation. I have to admit, and I've got a dear friend of mine who probably listens to the potty, and we've joked about this at length many times since, but we did that once where we left our two kids to their own devices. (laughs) We were away on holiday together at Bluey's Beach, and they were both just whinging, and we were like, you know what? We're sick of the whinging. They can sort it out. And Rafa ended up with three deep bites in her forearm better Uh, that she was bitten than the biter oh i always say this but it is so much easier to be the parent of the bitten than the biter oh yeah one of my other close girlfriends has a daughter who really went through a big biting and hitting stage and i just watched her go through so much emotional turmoil trying to manage her daughter who has a hard time to express her frustrations she was constantly apologizing for her daughter but also trying to figure out how to discipline her. That age between one and two is really challenging because they don't quite have their language yet. Yeah. So it's hard to communicate and what to do. And they do move through it. But if you're the person without biters and you don't get it, it can be like, oh shit, is my kid like in danger? Do I need to pull my kid out of this situation? Yeah, and I had to educate Hubs about that a bit because Rafa would come home from daycare bitten and he would feel quite upset and quite protective. You know, that papa bear feeling where he just wanted to defend and protect his cub. And I had to be like, hang on. Yeah. You need to extend some empathy to the parent. Imagine if Rafa was hitting and biting kids. You would be fucking mortified. Yeah. And you would be moving mountains to try and fix it. But unfortunately, biting and hitting is just something they grow out of. It's really hard to discipline. I've watched many friends with biters and hitters try and it's not easy. It's almost one of those things where it gets worse the more it's talked about. I feel like Teddy went through a very fleeting biting hitting stage luckily just within our family like he was doing it to Isla and doing it to me and Gray and he just kind of moved through it on his own really quickly but it was like the more I admonished him about it the more he was like I have power I have power and he would just hit me again or like bite me again so it was one of those things anyway because they do things to get a reaction out of you it's the only power and agency they have in the world I mean the best piece of advice that was given to me in case I had a biter or a hitter and look who knows because Iggy might have potential yeah there's still time for him to be a biter All right, calm down (laughs) I'm going to advocate for my son now shut up don't make assumptions about him But the piece of advice that I was given is that if your kid is a biter or a hitter, say you're in a public playground and your kid goes and hits and bites a complete stranger's kid, instead of reprimanding that child, what you do instead is make a fuss of the kid who was bitten or hit. So you go up to that kid and go, oh, are you okay? Uh, Oh, Oh, you poor thing, you were hit. Because what happens to your child then is they start to go, Oh, that kid got all the attention. Oh, wow. So you don't kind of give oxygen their way. Yeah, you cool. give it to the other kid and then they go, oh, oh because that's cool. Yeah, it, I, like it, I found that quite helpful. Again, never put it in practice, so can't confirm or deny whether or not it works. But in theory, I thought yeah, that sounds cool. pretty good. Sounds good. My mum has a cool theory because I think I was being really judgy once, probably pre-kids when we were out at a restaurant. There were some kids on iPads and I was like, oh, my God, my kids are never going to have an iPad in a restaurant. You know, we've all said that. Um, And she was like, yeah, maybe tonight's not the night for that discipline. And I was like, what do you mean? And this is her theory that sometimes it's just not the time. You can have your theories and your principles and disciplines and rules in your house. But sometimes when you're having a social occasion or you're out for a night, it doesn't have to be the time to like reinforce that. Mm, I like that. I really like that. Yeah. I guess the important thing, though, is that you have to have that added layer of thick skin to be okay with external people judging you who don't yeah. realize. Because I bet you, you didn't for a second think that 
those kids probably never watched the iPad at home. Seeing those kids having the iPad at dinner time, you probably made gross assumptions that, oh, I bet they're being raised by YouTube. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I guess you have to be okay with that as a parent to know that you have structure in your home and yeah. discipline and rules. Yeah. But then when you're out, it's not the time to discipline. But that's why my favorite kind of mum friend is the kind who is just cool with whatever you do, is happy to state her things that she'll do and won't do, but doesn't get all involved or like judgy or on you or your kid I think that's the key right the it's key. okay to have different values and yeah. different ap- approaches to parenting of but, course. but where it gets complicated is when they start trying to tell you how you should parent or if you just feel judged like if you whip out banana bread for your two-year-old and you offer it and they go no no they don't have sugar that's different to being like no thanks and then changing the subject that is totally inadvertent shaming well yeah it know? is like that's just there's just little things in tone and that's how I've definitely cottoned to certain mum friends it's like it's just easy and it feels light and there's no judgment the last thing you need is those pointed little comments or things where there's I think they call them jellyfisher stings like I'm referencing Bridget Jones but it's that backhanded comment sorry my kid doesn't have sugar yeah yeah (laughs) that Isla didn't have sugar for about two years didn't she yeah Teddy's first solid was banana bread (laughs) (laughs) that's because he's a second born yeah I just know that in the first couple of years at motherhood, that's one of the biggest transitions, not just becoming a mum yourself, but working out who your people are oh, in definitely. the mum sphere, in the mum sphere, in the motherhood. My favorite mum friends, they were a little bit ahead of me. Their kids were a bit older and they had the language around it. Like they'd be like, oh, I'm going to give blah, blah, a yogurt. Does Isla want one? And I'd be like, okay, so that's how you do it. You don't offer it to the kid first or whatever. You just check in with the mum. All those little tips that you work out on the way to keep it light and easy. Yes, and I... Layered with judgment. And I can sit here and say, hand on heart, I am learning from the best. Wait, me? Yeah. (laughs) Who else? I was like waiting for you to tell me who it was. (laughs) Who else would it be? The good mum, obviously. Oh, well, obviously she's included in that. The best can be a collective best. Oh, my God. But no, Rebsy, seriously, I do observe a lot from how you parent your children. Thanks, babe. That's a huge compliment. So, Rebsy, what's your hashtag not sponsored? Oh, I've got such a good one this week. You guys, I have an amazing wine. It's light. It is dry, if you like that kind of thing. It's a Chardonnay, but what? Stop looking at me like I'm being boring. Oh, no, I'm just glazing over. (laughs) It's okay. Don't take it personally. I'm just, I've totally just tuned out. Guys, ignore her. She's being rude. Um, it's a Chardonnay, but I know a lot of people think, oh, Chardonnay, cat's piss. No, this one's light and dry. It's almost like a semion. It's Audrey Wilkinson. The best part is, and no one can tell me why, you don't get a hangover. Wait, okay. I'm back. <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't get a hangover. And I've really tested it. My sister discovered it. She tested it pretty hard. Let me know. I was like, don't believe it. Tried it. No hangover. Gave it a real slap. Had a whole bottle. Fine. What? What sorcery is this? I don't know. And then we went to the cellar door. This is how deep we've gone. We went to the cellar door and we asked the sommelier. We're like, why do we not get hangovers from your wine? Sommelier? (laughs) (laughs) He's like the bougie waiter who pairs your wine with your food for you at a restaurant. All I heard was we asked the sommelier. The sommelier. Okay, sorry, you, en français. Absolute <laughs> ignoramus. <laughs> Have you ever been to a restaurant? Yes. <laughs> Hold on. Are you telling me all restaurants have a sommelier? No, oh, sommelier. 
<laughs> Sommelier. All right. Back to my great story about the hangover free wine. We asked him, why do we not get hangovers? And he was being all obtuse, which makes us think they've got a secret ingredient. Anyway, Audrey Wilkinson, you can get it at all the boozy places or you can buy it online in a case, which is what I do. I cannot wait for all our dear <laughs> listeners to slide into our DMs being like, tried it, had a four day hangover. Nah. Revs, you sold us a sham. Nah, look, this is not sponsored. I've got no skin in the game. I just want y'all to be like bouncing around at 7 a.m. Hangover free like me. So I'm doing an app today Ooh, for my nice. hashtag not sponsored. Just to put myself up on the pedestal of self-importance, I get so many DMs asking me <laughs> about how I edit my videos on Instagram stories. Well, as they are really fun and edited. Look, I am a sentimental fool. I'm a memories tragic. I just love creating videos for the memory bank of family times. And I do all of my editing on this fantastic app called InShot spelt I-N space S-H-O-T. And I find the app really auto-intuitive. Look, it takes a little bit to navigate your way around all of the buttons and tools, but once you do, you can get really quick. Cause people always say to me, how do you find the time to mm. edit all of these videos? And I'm like, it genuinely does not take me that much time. Great. I've become so savvy around the tool that I can cut together a one minute long video in one minute, cool. <laughs> no exaggeration. Right. So highly recommend checking out InShot. I have no idea if it's free or subscriber-based anymore. I think it's free. I downloaded it that long ago. I can't remember if there's upgrades to special features. I'm sure there are. But you know what? Even if there are, it's worth it. Highly recommend. If you're someone who's tragic for memory keeping like me. Or you just want killer content on your gram. Make the investment. Download InShot now. (laughs) Ooh, sassy on the top there. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast. Night, night, everyone. (laughs) Some people have been saying they've been going to sleep to it. Oh, God, I feel sorry for them. And then we must burst in with some laughter and wake them up. And they're like, fuck those girls. (laughs)